say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Wheel of Time Spoilers Podcast. But speaking of social gatherings, I think we have one in this chapter of um, wives, shall we call it? It's the wedding of the wives. It's when all the different relationships coalesce into the quartet <sighs> right. that we talk about. Mm-hmm. This is this is that chapter. And it's in a lot of ways, um, I kind of wish that Rand, Matt, and Perrin had had a get together the same way that Elaine, um, Avienda and Min do. Like I really do feel like we missed we never get to see that. But here, the interaction between the three of them is actually just fun. I think there's a lot of really fun co- comedic and also meaningful uh, writing right. in this chapter, in in the conversations <laughs> between the characters. It's a really good chapter for that. I'm looking forward to it, even though, like I said, pass me as a douchebag for scheduling this. <laughs> I am looking forward to to covering this chapter. This is this is a fun and well written chapter, in my opinion. Even though I have strong opinions about some of RJ's choices. Well, yes. Um, I, one of the things that I think about when I read a chapter like this is I wonder how much of this sort of grouping of three women with Rand has a lot rooted in mythology and the idea of the three women as one and, you know... The Maiden Mother The Maiden Mother and Crone, yes. yes. That whole trilogy, the fates, all that sorts of things, the three women around the fire. Like, that's such a common thing in mythology, and to give your hero these sort of mystical three around him, one who actually does see things, the other two who have, like, direct connections to the one power. Yeah, no, there's a lot of obvious imagery with Avienda the Maiden and Elaine the Mother, and Min as the Oracle, right. which that power is generally reserved for, like, the crone person in an, in a pantheon. Yeah, I'd agree that there's a lot of triplets of women that should circle important plot points in cosmological 
like reasoning. So yeah, I'd say Jordan was not avoiding that. Yeah. I think Jordan was very heavily. Exactly. Exactly. So, and then, and then once I, sometimes when I view these kind of chapters through that, that sort of lens, I'm like, okay, that's why he's forcing these groups together. Even when realistically they might like fracture and come apart a little more easily. Yeah. There's some some very weird fantasy relationship choices Uh made, but it does, it does work if you're trying to tell how these mythologies can go together and make sense. Like the gods make weird decisions compared to mortal men sometimes. That's not unheard of in, in mythology. Um, so yeah, this is chapter 12, a lily in winter. And uh, our symbol is the dragon, the dragon for Rand and the lily in the winter because, well, that's the symbol of, of, um, I believe it's, Elaine's personal sigil. It's Elaine's personal seal, and he leaves her a beautiful lily mm-hmm. on her pillow when he leaves the next day, and she puts a keeping around it. So, like, the lily in winter, because it's cold when she wakes up, and there's a lily on her pillow. So, the lily in winter is, like, there's just no end to what it means, basically, in this chapter. Isn't that also a callback to the um, feathers he pulled out of a pillow that he tried to turn into a feather and give to her and failed last time? Into a flower. Into a flower, yeah. and now he's able to create that flower, and the feathers were the most treasured thing she owned before mm-hmm. the lily. Yeah, it's definitely a callback to that gesture that he made for her before he's better now he's better at channeling he's in a more committed relationship with her like the whole thing has escalated and he is now able to make a perfectly dewdrop encrusted lily in the middle of winter and yet his work is driving him crazy (laughs) (laughs) true true um do you want to read us in on this one yeah, yeah, it's kind of a long read, I think, to get the full sure. scope of the chapter. But it, like I said, I think this is a well-written chapter overall. So yeah, this and this is this is a, th- a thick one, and there's a lot of important events happening here, and a lot of important relationship evolving stuff. There's, I have lots that I want to talk about, so I think it's worth a long re- read in. Another serving man nearly fell on his nose, bowing, and Elaine sighed as she glided past along the palace corridor. At least. She tried to glide. The daughter heir of Andor, stately and serene. She wanted to run, though her dark blue skirts probably would have tripped her had she tried. She could almost feel the stout man's goggling eyes following her and her companions. A minor irritant, and one that would pass. A grain of sand in her slipper. Rand bloody thinks he knows best for everybody Althor is itch oak down my back, she thought. If he managed to get away from her this time... Just remember, she said firmly, he hears nothing about spies or fork root or any of that. The very last thing she needed was him deciding to rescue her. Men did that sort of nonsense. Nynaeve called it thinking with the hair on their chests. Light, he would probably try to move the Aiel and the Saldaeans back into the city, into the palace itself. Bitter as it was to admit, she could not stop him if he did, not short of open war, And even that might not be enough. I don't tell him things he doesn't need to know, Min said, frowning at a lanky, wide-eyed serving woman whose curtsy nearly collapsed into a sprawl on the red-brown floor tiles. Eyeing Min sideways, Elaine remembered her own time wearing breeches and wondered whether she might not try again. They were certainly freer than skirts. Not the heeled boots, though, she decided judiciously. They made Min almost as tall as Avienda, but even Brigida swayed in those, and with men's snug breeches and a coat that barely covered her hips, it looked positively scandalous. 
I cut it there, even though this whole chapter deserves to be read. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot in here. Um, it's hard to even know where to begin, right? Like, there's just... <laughs> yeah. I mean, do we want to talk about the clothes and the heeled boots and the wide skirts and just sort of that envy that she has of, of men that she's obviously maybe envious of something else, not necessarily the breaches. The fact that she's been <laughs> hanging out with Rand for how many months? Oh, yeah, she is. Yeah. She is happily jealous about that not jealous in the tear men down way but she is she's jealous of a lot of what men has it's freer to wear pants and it's more fun to be with rand than to be struggling to win your throne well fun might not be the right word but <laughs> <laughs> sometimes sometimes uh there's yeah a lot a lot to get into that yeah, so we have our party walking down the hallway in all of their various attires, and they start really interacting and giving us some really funny character-building moments. I mean, Avienda and Min mm -hmm. is just sort of a running physical comedy gag throughout the chapter, the way that they keep imitating each other and thinking alike and having the same responses right. reflexively to things. And it starts here. Right. With the, you, you lie to him? Well, no, except when he needs to be lied to and that's fine and we all know because women's codes or whatever and Avian is like nodding along like, yeah you know that's right sometimes he does need to be lied to but i mean <laughs> i would never do that but sometimes he needs to be lied to yeah no yeah and then the, just the constantly pulling out knives and any threat and the like the similar sort of um willingness to kill for the sake of the person they love like there's that it just it's jordan is dropping those little bits all throughout this chapter Yes, Rand has a type. Yes. <laughs> three different women are meeting the criteria, but he has a type. Well, and it's also, he loves to prove his characters wrong, because they're sitting there thinking, we have nothing alike, uh, in common. What are we ever going to bond about? Like, I don't know this woman at all. And meanwhile, they're like exactly the same person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Elaine is very worried that they won't like each other because everything has to go right and it all has to happen right now. Uh, and she's a peacemaker, so she can't not think about the diplomatic implications of all this knife twirling. But what's really making the party catch the eyes of all the servants is not the four of them, but the guards. Right, right. So that's why the guy's dropping glasses and everything is because she's got this new set of guards that are essentially Amazonian warrior women, right? Like... The archetype of. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, Brigida was having breastplates made to fit women, which Elaine suspected had certainly made the palace armor's eyes pop. So, I mean, that's that, like, ridiculous, oversized, I have to assume, boob armor. That I, yeah, yeah, he's definitely saying boob yeah. armor, which is, like, so impractical right. and so historically anachronistic. And there's so many videos online of actual cosplayer armorer historians being, like, head desk head desk right, head desk right. about boob armor <laughs> like that. my god this is not a thing this is not a thing but of course jordan's making it a uh -huh. thing i mean at this point he has to have seen some of the international covers for his books right. with like you know if you know you know but again <laughs> so, I, if I, I that's why i come back to legends fading to myth the myth of these amazonians and these bronze booby armor is something that was prevalent in the time and he's saying this is where it came from Right, Even like, though the palace armorers would never be asked for this no. because Brigida would actually talk to soldiers. It's like, no, this would never be a thing. I know. I know. Uh, people were built different in the third <laughs> age. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was genetic differences. The, the, mm. Yeah. 
I do, I do like overall the, the look of them with the big fancy hats and the sashes and just the gold tooling. I mean, these are some incredibly flamboyant mm-hmm. palace guard strangeness peacock things walking around and I love the absurdity of it. No, and, and they're designed to look absurd so that no one takes them seriously so they get taken down, right? Like, because these are actually competent warriors, competent fighters. Um, these are the best of the best that they've been able to find. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're supposed to look ridiculous. And so in that regard, maybe they do have boob armor because mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Any experienced assassin is gonna not take them seriously because who the fuck wears boob armor? Right. Like yeah, yeah. So who knows? I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> Um and then I, I like this little bit where she doesn't she finally asks how to mask the bond from somebody who knows. And it's like, oh yeah, you they've they are not being taken seriously as sisters by some of the other sisters, so they haven't been taught everything that is common knowledge among older sisters. But also, it's how quickly it happened, right? Like, two years at the most, right? From joining the White Tower to becoming Aes Sedai. Like, these are brand new. You can't teach everybody everything in two years. Right. You could easily pick up through osmosis the fact that Aes Sedai can mask their bonds with their warders. That doesn't have to be an Aes Sedai specific lesson. It's just part of the overarching culture of Aes Sedai and warders. It's like, well, yeah, obviously right. some of them like to, you know, like, obviously that. But yeah, when you spend half of your two years in the tower running around on dangerous exchange programs, you're going to miss some of the little things in the culture. And a lot of Aes Sedai don't bond warders for many years, right? So even the newest greens don't necessarily have a warder. They have to find somebody and pick somebody. They're not encouraged to do that quickly. So, you know, the assumption is they're going to have years to find out about these things in conversations with other Aes Sedai. And just, there's no training program for that. That's just like, you know, ugh, tribal knowledge. Oh, my God. It's a work term. I can't believe it's invading my... uh actual language because <laughs> uh, i don't like because I, I don't like that term um institutional institutional knowledge thank you i appreciate that thank you chat <laughs> yeah it's the way that information gets transmitted is a big part of what jordan finds fascinating uh this is just a microcosm of that i suppose mm-hmm but yeah, I said I are supposed to treat warders with a lot of, and the warder bond with a lot of reverence. And yeah, you're going to learn everything you can about it before you kind of get the go ahead from your eyes to die superiors that like, okay, I think you're ready. You've proven in casual conversation that we won't need to take your warder away from you. Like that kind of thing. Right. And yeah, Elaine skipped even knowing that that was a rite of passage, much less doing it. And it was to save Brigitte's life. Yeah, but she learned it because she knew she was going to be using it illicitly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm going to use this at a time and place that other Aes Sedai would not approve of. Therefore, I need to steal the knowledge like Prometheus stealing fire from the <laughs> <Good> gods. Because <laughs> <laughs> she always intended to bond Rand. At the first possible yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Always. Like day one of arriving in the tower. She's like, oh, that's how I can mm-hmm. get the pretty boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of the pretty boy who's wearing a ugly ass mask of mirrors, or well, he, <laughs> not not right now, but he will be soon. Yeah. <laughs> and I love yeah. the whole like little counterpoint that the guards think she's meeting this lover, and then they see Rand, and she is, which is so they're totally accurate, right? Like, and then they like see Rand in his mask of mirrors, and they think, oh my god, he's hideous. 
she can't actually be sleeping with that guy, can she? Right? <laughs> like, And, like, meanwhile, their commander is destined to always <laughs> fall in love with a particularly <laughs> ugly man. That's a good point. Not that they know that, but, like, layers. Okay, so we have now hit one of the lines that I have opinions about. Okay. Um, when Elaine is thinking about um, Rand on the other side of the door, oh, my God. And uh, wondered whether she was like some fool woman in a story who threw her head over the wall because of a man. She had always thought these stories must have been written by men. And now it, it's real for her. And so clearly that's... And I'm just like... It's, Jordan's like trying to break the fourth wall and claim that he gets what's going on. But like... Mm, I find the princess romance love at first sight arc with Elaine so hard to believe that it makes me think that the story was written by a man. So, <laughs> I don't know. This is the whole, like, why am I feeling... Everyone feels like they're stupid sometimes, right? That's what imposter syndrome is. So, but instead of saying, oh, I'm stupid, and she realizes she's not, so she's like, oh, this boy is making me witless, even though it's, like, just feeling... Even though she's doing amazing, it feels like she's not. Sure, yeah. The the blaming of emotional dysregulation on the other party rather than on the nature of the relationship is oh, right. a, a failing that they have. But it just it amuses me how a man writing a story about romance that we mostly all agree categorically is not good at romance. <laughs> <laughs> to be like the way he like looks at the fourth wall and totally. stares right through it and then bounces off yeah. of it. Just yeah. like I love it. It I have opinions, but they are mostly those of amusement. <laughs> Like, oh, Jordan. But I love the fact that we get an extremely fairy tale fantasy relationship in this whole thing. He's got lots of subtle ones and like cloak and dagger stuff and like enemies to lovers. And he also has just like a stock fantasy romance. Yeah. Like from a PG story about princesses and peas or whatever. And it is cute. But it's just, oh, it's so unrealistic. I love it. What is a realistic romance? I'm not sure if I've ever really read a good, well-done romantic novel. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, because, like, they're either, you know, on the romance side of things, which are absolutely all as ridiculous as anything that's happening in Wheel of Time, or they're, like, on the um, British romance of, like, and then Lord Farquaad proposed to my mother's sister and i you know i'm just like oh what is going on i don't understand uh so um i will say that generally if it's written by queer non-men it will be a good romance just off the bat if you read stuff written by straight white men it's gonna be boring and the same as every other one and i will say also i have yet to actually break into the genre but i have been spending a lot of time with um a romance writer on discord and twitter just like following her conversations about the publishing industry and apparently there's a lot of really there's a lot of diversity in the so-called romance genre mm, okay she's a pretty well-respected author and has a lot of opinions about the assumptions people make from the outside about how shallow and narrow the genre is when in fact it's quite broad um, so I would recommend looking up Kit Rocha, I think that's how you say it, or Brie on Twitter, and reading queer romance. But I also haven't done that myself. That's just what I read is is the good suggestions. So I believe it's out there, but I don't know that I understand it myself. So I don't know that I'm a great recommender of actual Fair. titles and authors. <laughs> no, I, I believe it's out there. I just haven't really found it. 
Um, not that I've gone looking, right, either. It's not necessarily a genre that I've dug deep into. I've only skimmed the surface of it, which, of course, is the worst of the... Right, yeah, yeah whatever rises to the top right. is going to be, like, the trashiest, right. least amazing right. stuff. Right. But, um, you know, I think a lot of sci-fi has relationships I like, but they're often, like, friendships and working relationships mm-hmm. that may or may not include an element of so-called romance. So, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not the person to ask this question. <laughs> but uh, they exist Mm -hmm. according to impassioned discussions about publishing that I fly on the wall for in a different discord Mm -hmm. server. (laughs) But no, I don't think, I don't think romance was ever what I read wheel of time for. Right. Like, I don't think I would ever Mm -hmm. be like, Oh my God, the romance, that's what really blew me away. Right. It was the, 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 the friendships and the characters and the plot and the, the mystery and the world and the foreshadowing foreshadowing. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna put. I'm definitely gonna put some links into the show notes for the people I was talking about for the romance stuff. Cause, yeah. Okay. Uh, moving back to the the romance that is happening mm-hmm. right here. Uh, the three girls gather their courage and march into the room to confront Rand, which makes Rand very physically upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he tries to seize the power, but maybe it's honestly just the adrenaline of having the women actually walk into the room. Like, it could be either, honestly. So, he jumps up, and we immediately get a reaction where he must embrace the source. It seems like it. Yeah. The the gagging and heaving with dry wretches is like, I mean, yes, yeah, sometimes seeing your crush can be a lot, but it's characteristic of when he seizes the source. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know what he's trying to do with it. He doesn't actually do anything. It's just, I guess, a reflexive grabbing for the hilt of his sword kind of action. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Is just somebody came in the room, so he immediately reached for the source. The door just opens unexpectedly. Right. It's danger! Right. I'm in danger! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, Grant. A little bit. <laughs> Skosh. Right. <laughs> um, but he's finishing up a conversation with Nynaeve, which says, in any case, you win the argument, which is basically... I think they're arguing about whether Nynaeve was going to go with him right away. Right, which is basically the note that we left the last chapter right. on, is that they would not like it one bit. So this is after however many minutes mm. to hours of arguing. They don't like it, but now he's accepting it because he needs to get away from his girl crushes. Right. And I think whatever other Nynaeve reasons Nynaeve was like, no, I need to go with you. I can't leave you behind. Like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, I need to go. Who knows? Who knows what her argument was? So I'm sure it was... Either way, she wins. She wins, so. yeah. <laughs> so she's going. We get this Min and Avienda saying men at the same time in exasperation. <laughs> so again, one of those. Because Rand looks right past his two long-lost girlfriends and says, Min, are you coming with me? And it's like, uh, are seriously? you kidding me right seriously? now? <laughs> are we a chopped liver? What's happening? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, we've, we've talked about this, how like he basically thinks... Um, Elaine broke up with him in a letter, and Avienda has abandoned him completely to go back and, and hang out with other people, right? Like, they slept together once. That was a one-night stand. That wasn't a relationship. Right, right. He thinks that they don't want him, but he still wants them. Right. And he has this whole thing where he knows Elaine, he knows Min is trying to, like, bring them all into the same room, but he doesn't really know why. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot of meaningful eye contact, basically. <laughs> Um, Min makes the toes joke, which is... Oh, so funny. Yeah. I don't know what anyone's toes have to do with this, or feet either. <laughs> I'll never not love that line. 
And I like that later. I love you, Min. She clears it up that she does know what Toe is, and she's just literally making the pun, right? Like, yeah, she's like, I was trying to break the ice. Yeah. That I'm actually not making that joke in ignorance. Like, I love Min. I love Min so much. <laughs> yeah, Rand apologizes for sending her all the Suldam and Damani, while also insulting them and like not calling them real Aes Sedai <laughs> and like being like, oh, all these other women must have been mistaken for Aes Sedai. There's no, there's no other Aes Sedai here other than those two, and they're like. Brand us we and he's like no i mean uh yeah totally wait like very yeah. very yeah. non-believing if they didn't have such a short timeline yeah he would not be getting bonded and fucked senseless right. today right he would be sleeping in the doghouse until he figured it out but they're on a timeline so they just have to forgive all right. of that yeah and you know it's one of those things that matt does better than rand matt actually acknowledged them as i said i fairly early on in their journey and Rand still has trouble with that. In fairness, I don't think Rand's ever been in a position of seeing his people being disrespected by the eyes to die the way Matt did. Mm. Right? Matt's show of deference really came in the context of, oh, no, only I get to fuck with women from my village. All you eyes to die can fuck off. Mm -hmm. I don't think Rand's ever actually had that opportunity. And maybe he'd act differently if he did, at least internally. Maybe not. Matt isn't trying to save the world. He's just trying to save his own skin. Mm -hmm. So, God, who would have thought a few sisters running away from Elida would grow into a rebellion against the White Tower? It's like it was more than a few sisters. It was half the damn tower. Well, a third. Half of the tower that was likely to get involved. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a third was always going to hold aside. But right. yeah, it's his read of the situation from incomplete information is it shows his biases around Aes Sedai in general and, and w women in, in general and Aes Sedai in particular, like organizations, like he, he thinks that they're doing things very differently than they are. So he mentions Matt and he touches his forehead cause he gets this world of colors. So that's another reference mm -hmm. to that. And then this, this thing at this rate, I won't be surprised if my friends in the tower work up enough courage to come out in the open. There's a weird phrasing to this, and I don't know if you ever get resolution to it, but he always calls Alviarin and her letters of loyalty to him my friends in the White Tower. Mm -hmm. I think he knows they're dark friends. That's why he calls them my friends. They're my dark friends in the Tower. Who and I'm mm -hmm. and like I think he's actually smarter than we give him credit for. With that, like I don't think he's believing Alviarin is saying he's like he, i think he's figured out that somebody's lying to him and a lie means that they're dark friends i would agree with that because i figured i mean we get, when fires of heaven when he gets the letter he talks it over with moraine immediately leaps to the correct conclusion about who's actually sending it and i always wondered at this line because it's like how who does he think is on the other end of that does he think that they're actual dark friends or just a faction of Aes Sedai? Because this line makes me really wonder. Like, obviously, it's someone working against Elida, but is he deciding that they're dark friends or just undermining Elida friends? I think that friends is significant. I think he keeps dropping that every time he talks about Alviar and, and her friends and the, the letter and the, my friend, you know, the like, we're friendly to who? The dark one, right? Like, friends is a loaded word the same way like children is. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. I've never been quite sure about that line, but you make a very good argument. That being said, we never get any evidence for that because he never really addresses that because Egwene clears them out before they do anything. Yeah, no, that, that ends up being a red herring of a plot. But it's nice to be reminded of it that it's still viable at this point. 
the other sisters, the real sisters, he would have been about to say. <laughs> yeah. But then we, we have one of the rarest of rare things in all of Wheel of Time, which is characters deciding that they need to sit down and talk something out and then actually doing it. Right? It's really weird. It is a little weird. <laughs> I mean, they mostly get Rand to agree to what they wanted him to, but, you know. They talk it out. They talk it out. Elaine says, we need to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And then they do. Mm -hmm. And they come out of the conversation with like a new understanding of their collective relationship. It's just, if this happened more often, we wouldn't have so many books. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But And uh, I love Lan and Nynaeve's reactions through this whole thing. Because they're basically the mom and dad, right? Of this this group of people. Mm -hmm, They're mm -hmm. they're the elders in the room who have like more maturity. And they're like, y'all are doing what? <laughs> Kids these days, am I right? <laughs> yeah. Like, what kind of uh, relationship are you guys getting into? Uh, what, what Tumblr hashtag are you right. kids into these days? <laughs> yeah, no, there's... Did you see that picture from, I think it was like Comic-Con or somewhere? One of the places where they were all doing a panel, the actors from the show. And there was one picture of... Uh, Daniel and Zoe sitting next to each other and they just both have this look on their face and they're looking off camera and it was captioned like Lan and Nynaeve when Rand professes his love to the three girls because it was exactly the the face that you imagined them making just like what what (laughs) what what did I just hear what words just came out of your mouth excuse me (laughs) excuse me oh the most awkward fucking thing Mm. to have to sit there and witness but yeah, it's an incredibly straightforward and awkward conversation where they all profess their love for each other and the air is just cleared, cards on the table. Mm. And Rand's like, are you sure you know what it means? You know, or well, that's more when they want to channel or when they want to bond right. First, he just says it all because he assumes that if he says, I love you all equally and I, I would be with all three of you if I could, that would make them all leave him alone. Right. That's the thing he was trying to avoid. But now he's like, fine, cards on the table. Please run away now. And... Nynaeve shrieks at him <laughs> for saying it. It's delightful. And then each of the women responds in her own way. Elaine says, I love you and I want to marry you. Avienda says uh, basically the same thing, but she says it, Aiel, right? My heart is in your hands. And if you make a bridal wreath for me, I will pick it up. And then Min, <laughs> Min being delightfully raunchy, says, if you don't know by this time that I love you, then you're blind, deaf, and dead. <laughs> Which is like, woo! Yeah. Min, yeah. okay. Well, okay. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. let's just say uh, her method of expressing her love is physical touch. Yes, her love language mm-hmm. is comforting. Yes. <laughs> Let me comfort you, Rand. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. This is what leads to all the memes of people like the universe sitting on Rand's shoulders, sitting on Min's dump truck ass. Right? Like those, <laughs> that's the level of things that are being supported. Um, that's God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. what, what has the internet done to me? Uh, too much. Yeah, uh, wait, far, too much. far too much. Oh, man. <laughs> Don't want to talk about that. Mm. And I like that Rand says that he would be willing to marry all three of them. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't really ever seem to feel like he has to pick. Min spends some time thinking about, well, which one's he really going to marry? And there's a bit of that, but I feel like Rand is always like, I'll take as many of them as will have me. And if I can have all three, I am super into that. And I like that he never questions that aspect of this relationship. He never puts one above the others. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, I couldn't. I couldn't. Mm. You can choose. Mm. You can decide who I get access to, but I could never pick one over the other. 
And then they all look at him like he's a pastry and say, we need to go talk about something else in a different room <laughs> where mom and dad aren't watching. <laughs> Come upstairs to my bedroom and we need to talk. We need to study, study for our tests. Yep, that's what we're doing. It's finals. I mean, the last battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Nynaeve starts instead of challenging them, she starts blathering. And Elaine is like, what on earth is Nynaeve hiding mm-hmm. if she's going to allow us to do this? And we, of course, know that it's the part where she's going to steal a bunch of Angriol and run away with Rand <laughs> to go cleanse the source. <laughs> oh, that little thing? Yeah, that yeah. little thing. Uh, yeah. You know. Just a sp- little side quest while you're, you know, saving <laughs> the world. side quest. <laughs> Minor side. Minor side. It really does at this point kind of feel like a side quest. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, we need to make sure it's cleansed before we can uh, save the whole world, or else it's not going to mean anything. It's like one of those side quests you have to complete in right, order right. for the boss battle to unlock, but like it's still just a side quest mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, which is even more the case when nobody reacts to it. Like we cleanse the source, and was like, yeah, sure you did, buddy. Let's let's go. Get on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, it, it really only counts for the boss battle, not any of the right. in between. <laughs> so yeah, Rand puts his face back on and Min and Avienda have another bonding moment where they both have very similar opinions of how incredibly terrible <laughs> his disguise is. That face would make a goat faint. <laughs> it's good. I am who I am. You just don't see it, Rand said. He did not have to pick something so elaborately disgusting. He's projecting a lot of his self-loathing mm-hmm. into this mask of mirrors. A rose by any other name would be as mm. grotesque. <laughs> yeah, and then I just I I enjoy the the two guards women just having a ridiculous reaction, being like, "Well, that's not her lover. Good God, that man is ugly." <laughs> I would not doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, they're both looking at each other like, I wouldn't tap that if you paid me. <laughs> Whenever I see two guardsmen reacting to what the nobles are doing in a comedic way, I always think of Shakespeare and his, like, two idiots standing outside the door, right? He has that <laughs> so much in all of his writing. Um, it's just hard not to see this. It's just a little bit of Shakespearean going on right there. Which is, of course, entirely appropriate for Andor and Camelin and... Rand and all the, the stuff that's oh, going, for sure. going on. Also there. appropriate for how well read Jordan was. Right. How much he appreciated all the fine things in life. I'm sure that a few hat tips to Shakespeare were on his list of things to do with this oh, series. Uh, you think? Yeah. There has one, to, one or two. Right. One or two. <laughs> well, it's also, you know, they talk about the a lot of times they're writing about the same thing, which are these myths and legends, right? So, like, of course, Shakespeare's writing about myths and legends and, and kings and, you know. Naturally. Naturally. So they go into the room with him, and the guards are like, really? And the girls are like, yes, really, and Mm -hmm. shut the door. And Rand immediately is like, I need a drink, which is a very uncharacteristic thing for him to say when we're in his POV, but also doesn't seem out of character given how stressed he is and how often he clenches a wine cup to death in various instances well i mean don't forget he's like seizing and letting go and going letting go of the source to put on the mask of mirrors so that's probably making him pretty nauseous so i think he just needs something to like wash the nausea out of his mouth and to the back of his throat sure sure a little antiseptic sting yeah just like all right wake up yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Um, and he's like, you know, she sees that he's not channeling, right? He's not warming the wine. He's not floating it on air. He's not doing any of the stuff he would do as a normal channeler who wants to use the power and will find any excuse to do so. Now he's avoiding using the power because it's making him nauseous and sick. He used to be flamboyant and mm-hmm. now he's conservative. Like, right. What's going on? What's right. going on, Rand? Are you sure you're not sick? And it's like, no, I'm just going insane. That's all. Yeah. I'm not sick. I am sick. <laughs> And I do think that uh, the nausea is actually an effect of the crossing Balefire streams and the way his his um, thread is crossing over with Moradin's. You think it has more to do with that than the channeling sickness per se? Yeah, I do. I do think that his his seizing of the power, what what that sickness he gets when he grabs it, is caused by the doubling and the double vision he gets and the sort of the bouncing back and forth between him and Moradin. Because he sort of makes that connection with Moradin every time he seizes the one power. Does that mean Moradin makes that connection with him whenever... Oh, no, Moradin doesn't seize the one power. Moradin seizes the true power. So it wouldn't go both ways just by virtue of the choices Moradin makes. Yeah, I mean, although Moradin was channeling the true power when the Balefire streams crossed, so maybe there is some effect there. Yeah, so maybe Rand is getting some sickness just from when Moradin chooses to use the power as right. well, not only his using it. It's rough. I don't envy him. Yeah, and it, it just doesn't seem to be quite as a two-way thing. Or maybe it's just that Moradin is so much healthier. <laughs> well, like, there's that too, yeah. That, you know, I, I do have a theory that possibly part of Rand's strength is actually stealing from Moradin, and Moradin's weakness is being stolen from Rand's, you know, sick, cut, wounded body. And the reason that Rand is able to keep going is that he's actually, like, basically using the strength of Moradin's body. Kind of like a warder eyes to die, like being able to draw strength from your water. Right, right. But but basically, like, Morden's experiencing all the pain that Rand's in, more so than Rand. And that's what, almost why he's able to shrug it off, is because he's he feels like he's in the healthy body. Because he's inside Morden's body. I don't know, Rand's been dissociating from how broken his body is since book one. True, yeah. But he's got a lot to dissociate from now, so Morgan can take even a little bit of that. That's what I'm thinking. Of. Some, of, some of it's on yeah. Morgan, because we know Morgan's feeling his pain, right? And it, and that gets more pronounced as we get through the timeline, right. I think. I, I think, think so. it gets more obvious or more acute as time goes on. So, yeah, that makes sense. And sort of the reason I think that the bond becomes more intense is that they basically, they start as separate threads, but the pattern is merging them together into one thread. And that moment is going to be at the last battle, right? And that as we approach that moment in time, the pattern sees this opportunity like, oh, these two people are together. One of them's going to die. I can just redirect those two threads into one and I don't have to worry about the consequences of the paradox of them bail firing bail fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that there's this there's this interesting intersection of the two of them that the pattern's creating. Yeah, I'm nodding to that. Um, but yeah, that, but th- but then because we're in that in between time between when the bail fires happened and when they connect, whenever he uses the power, there's that connection, and he wobbles back and forth between the two threads, and that's causing the nausea and the double vision and all the issues when he ceases the the one power. That's how I've. That's how I think of it in my head. It it's, makes far more sense than random hand-waving, which is all I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> That's way more thought out than my explanation, which was reasons. Uh, so, I'll take it. There is reasons. Ha-ha. Um, so, they say they want to bond him, and he, you know, does the typical, don't you know, the pain? I'm going to go insane, I'm going to die, you know, do you know what that means? 
And even if you did still want that, I've already been bonded, so right. whatever. So it's whatever. Months. I got raped months ago, and I never told right. you about it. But, <laughs> right. like, it's fine. <laughs> that is a good analogy in being like, well, I got raped, so I'm no good anymore. I'm not. And then being like, no, it doesn't matter. Right. Plus. I'm damaged goods. He's yeah. basically saying I'm damaged exactly. goods. Which exactly. Which is like, get that out of your mouth, Brand. Mm-hmm. That's not how that works. So I do, I do like their response to that, which is, you know, she has more toe to him than she could repay in a lifetime and to us. But also being like... One bond doesn't ward you against another. That's yes. just a custom, like, and we'll take you, even with that baggage and that issue. Like, we'll sort it out. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we learn uh, later that this weakens Alana's hold on Rand. Not that right. she had very much in the first place, but it weakens what she's got on him. And also weakens his connection with Morden to a certain extent the more there's only so much of Rand's like soul and agency sharing to go around and so when three more people force their way in the ones already there get their portions diminished right a bit which works out really well for Rand mm-hmm. despite how Darthy he gets like it could have been worse without these three counterbalances and this is a, a much better bond because this is one he wants and one he gave permission for he consents yeah. to this right. yeah and there's, there's a paragraph here that I do want to point out because I categorically ignore it as being wrong. Jordan just got it wrong. Until she came to realize that she loved Avienda as much as she did Rand, just in a different way. And Min, too, a sister. Avienda and Min were different. They were part of her. It's just like, okay, first of all, I have no desire to fuck someone just to, to share a fucking partner with a sibling. That seems weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're just sisters. It's fine. Just straight up, no. Like, I mean, the sister-wife thing is something the IL culture has, right? And that's sort of the the template he's using. Sure, yeah. But then the whole idea that that there is no homoerotic energy happening between the three women at all, and oh no, I love them in a completely different. Like, I don't care that he put that on the page. I think <laughs> that he's wrong. Like, come at me for being textually incorrect. Fine. This is a hill I will die on. That These are just things that Jordan put in because he didn't know what he was writing. He thought it would be too spicy if he didn't put in a caveat. Something. It's wrong. It is canonically wrong. So that's that's my piece on that. I have no problem adopting that uh, <laughs> set of reality. Right. I mean, that's that's fine with me. Um, that's heart cannon yeah spleen cannon almost yeah (laughs) it's like uh, we are directly contradicting what the author puts in there because of the times the book was written versus the times we live in now and the way it should have been if the book was updated yeah yeah that's how i feel your mileage may vary it's yeah it's fine right (laughs) there's just too many other lines where they're like sleeping in the same bed and they miss each other and you know and i I know all those can be technically platonic but it's just the overwhelming weight of evidence falls on the not a platonic relationship side and it's hard for him to be hard for me to be like you wrote in all that stuff jordan and then threw in these lines that are like but i don't love them like that it's like okay getting getting everything else past the censors required a straightforward because jordan never tells us anything straightforward so when he does Mm -hmm. i'm immediately suspicious that he's lying Mm -hmm. to us yeah exactly right so what he's actually saying here is look at what's actually happening in the background while she tells you a lie Right. Like, how many pages of these books are just dress descriptions as character development? Like, anything that 
can be said quickly is not the complete story. And remember, and I said I can lie to you as long as she can lie to herself. <laughs> yes. So. But then they they do the consent thing and they say, please let us bond you. We won't force it on you. We will just make puppy eyes and pull our dress cleavage down so much that you can't possibly say no. It's not forcing when you're just making puppy eyes. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And then I really like next, which is the description of how the weaves work and how Ooh. she learned from the sister wife weave how to create a shared weave that... Um, includes multiple people into one result. And she's like, oh, I was able to incorporate and basically build the water bond weave combined with the sister weave and create this multiple sister, basically a sister bond, sister water weave. Yeah. It's brilliant. <laughs> I love the description. And then the way so that she embraces the power and creates a, a bond between herself Elaine and Min, and then Avienda creates a bond between Min and Avienda, and by having those shared sort of gears over Min, Min becomes the bond between the two of them, and mm -hmm. she she and then that becomes the three of them, and the four is there's right two bonds on Min, one on Elaine, one on Avienda. Those are the four, and they become three because the two on Min bond together and become mm -hmm. the same thing. So then four. Four weaves are rather three now, yet they all seem the same weave. Yeah, yeah. And then from that grouping, which brings the three of them together, they reach out and they 
each have one bond that they weave together. So that's three bonds that weave together and touch random at the same time, and they each get an equal bond because that one bond becomes three. Right. Those three like braid together into one cord, which is then the warder bond. The, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the way that the overlap work. It makes me almost feel like it's some sort of like molecular bonding. Like there's like an electron sharing kind of <laughs> like it's it's visually pleasing the way he writes it and it just it feels like it follows some like very mathy geometry rules mm -hmm. for like making these things collapse together and hold together with his rules. And again, given that he was a physicist, like the the grace and beauty of how he describes this just feels it feels based on sound principles, you know, for his magic system that he created out of his brain. And they're like entangled weaves. Like they're not, they're two weaves, but they're the same weave. Like it's very wibbly wobbly, spacey wacy. But I think it's prepping you for um, picturing the weaves. Cause you know, the whole apex of this book is the cleansing. Right. Which is a right. huge, like, really detailed description of how weaves are actually moving. And there you've got the interaction of Sidene and Sidar. This is really a warm-up of being like, okay, like, there's some real intricacies happening with these weaves. And as our characters have leveled up, they understand what's going on to the point where they can actually stitch together other weaves and create something new and novel. And that's what Rand is going to be doing. Only he's doing it on a grander scale with a bigger power base and you know, doing it to cleanse the taint. Right. And we kind of saw what that could look like with the Bull of the Winds, but it was just so big. This is right. getting us down to this very, very, like, granular detail, mm -hmm. which is, mm -hmm. yeah, really what he brings into the cleansing. It's like it starts out at this, you know, subatomic level, right? The essence of reality itself is where the power exists. And then it also is like a world-changing thing. So, yeah, it's so fun when our characters get, you know, into higher levels of knowing how the power works so they can tell us what's happening mm -hmm. better. And, you know, you might also say it's like Jordan settling into his world a little bit. Yeah. He's established all the rules very well, and now he can, you know, maybe bounce off those rules a little bit and really create something new and interesting. Yeah. He gets to play in his sandbox now. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a, a lot here in the girl's reaction to the bonding. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's Min... There are pains you don't even seem to know, as if you've lived with them so long they're part of you. Those herons on your hands, you can still feel the branding. Those things on your arms hurt, and your side. Oh, light your side. Why aren't you crying, Rand? Why aren't you crying? One, yes, that's a lot of pain. Uh, I've always kind of never liked that, like, the herons on your hands, you can still feel the branding. Because when he initially got them, he described them as not being able to feel anything. Like, he couldn't feel them at all. They were just there as decoration. No, when he got the first one, it hurts. He puts, like, a salve on it and wraps it up. The second one, I don't think we ever check in with him right after he gets it. I always assumed that they were pretty well both healed by the time that we... By the time he has both. The second one happens during the battle in the sky, and he is healed immediately afterwards. They just right. can't heal the wound in his side, but they do heal the branding right away. Yeah, so I don't and know why they would hurt. Lanvir he uh, heals the branding, the, the first branding he gets. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Right, right. So it does hurt initially, but then it gets healed, and it gets right. healed magically in both cases. So why would he still have, have pain. pain and likewise for the tattoos like first of all they're magic tattoos not needle and ink tattoos but even if they were needle and ink tattoos like it's been long enough they shouldn't really do more than itch a little bit right i can't imagine that like, the, i've yeah. got arm tattoos mm -hmm. like 
I don't see why the magic tattooing would still hurt at this point. But he is in so much emotional pain that attaching it to his physical traumas makes some sense. You can't just be like, oh, you're in a 12 out of 10 on the pain scale. Right, right. But yeah, it's... And the whole like, why aren't you crying thing is like, we'll ask any person suffering from chronic pain why they aren't crying. It's because there's only so many hours in the day and water in your body. Like you learn to live with it when you don't get to escape it. You learn to live with it. Men's getting shocked into it and is surprised, mm-hmm, but it's like mm-hmm. Rant, if Rand spent all his time crying, then these books would also not go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, he has to just power through, like people who live with chronic pain. Like next, we get the line from Avienda that for some reason we've all decided represents Rand's dragon mount moment. Mm-hmm. For some reason, we decided that when Avi says the veins of gold that represent love, oh, the veins of gold, you really do love me. For some reason, we've all decided collectively that that means the moment he gets epiphanized on Dragon Mount. I don't know why. Well, because it's the moment when he realizes the point of living is his love for these three women, right? The veins of gold is what convinces him. Because, I mean, that is the title of the chapter, first of all, um, is Veins oh. of Gold. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, we haven't been making that up out of no. nowhere. Okay, no. good. I feel vindicated in, our, in us. Yeah, no, that's that's a very important point, is that the love he feels, which we see here, right? These, we see Avienda, and, and he doesn't realize what it is. He just describes it as Veins of Gold. But here we get the translation, Veins of Gold are the love for these women. And it, ma- it makes sense in context. He's talking about how love is the reason we get, you know, we get to live again so we can love again so we can try uh, uh, again. And that's the whole point of life. And that's why I'm not going to end the wheel, right? So this is a huge important moment for what I might actually say the more important moment than the last battle, right? Because I've always argued that the Dark One himself can't destroy the world. He has to convince the dragon to do it. That's why everybody's terrified of the dragon reborn. The dragon reborn is the only one who can actually break the wheel. Right. And if he does, that moment would have happened on dragon Mount. but instead he makes the decision and veins of gold stops that. And I basically think from that moment on the wheel can never be, cannot be broken. They've essentially won the last battle in that moment. It's just a question of how well are they going to come out the other side? Right. How does the next stage start? What's the playing board look like? And that's why the wolves have their, the last hunt begins or it does not. Right. Thing. And they celebrate when Rand has his moment because they say, now the last hunt can begin. We live to fight the last battle. Right. Yeah. As opposed to being torn apart by a a Rand who's decided to end the wheel. Right. But there's so many ways that the last battle playing out can look that you still have to have the last battle. And that's why veins of gold and the last battle are not truly the same thing but you're right the true battle is veins of gold and yeah you're right we're getting the language to understand what that phrase means here and we also get that his emotions are too rigid because you know yes (laughs) yes but it's good to get that from an internal person who's not Rand's perspective and it's also good to see that laced through the you know almost hardened pine sap, almost stone, laced through them the golden veins pulsed and glowed whenever he looked at Min or Avienda or her, right? He loves all three of them, and that's what's keeping him from solidifying too hard. That's what's going to break apart that stone, is those veins of gold laced throughout it. That's why he doesn't, you know, harden down to Quendiar. 
Right. They they are the the flaws, the inclusions, right. the things with a different melting temperature, whatever you right. want to call it. Yeah, they're what keep him anchored. The weaknesses in the stone that shatter him apart and make mm-hmm. him open to accepting emotions again. Yeah, they are trees and mockin mockins and lichens. Wow. Yeah. Lichens and mosses. Oh, I can wow. speak okay, words. That's, that's what you were going for. That's impressive. <laughs> you, you, you took a trip on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So there is one more thing. Okay, Columbo. Um, <laughs> just before I go, one final thing. There's something they've had from you that I haven't. Elaine began and choked. <laughs> she thought this would be the easy part. No. Uh, it's so funny, too, how she's like, oh, by the way, I know you were going to leave in like five minutes, but actually you need to take like the next 10 hours to stay with me <laughs> right <laughs> we've got about 10 hours of banging to get out done right yeah like, yeah like they just both take a like a pause in their calendars and just stop doing all the important like dragon princess shit they're doing and they just fuck all day right. all day <laughs> all night and into the next morning and, like more power yeah. to them but like right. damn that was a change of plans mm-hmm. it seems to go off without a hitch mm-hmm and we do know that during that time when they were all together, Min had her viewing that uh, about the babies, mm-hmm. which yep. we'll talk about when we get to it. Yeah. But yeah, for now, Min and Avienda are making a graceful question mark retreat. So that way, Elaine can make fuck me eyes at Rand and have him help her <laughs> take her dress off. Hey, at least it's not in a snow igloo. It's true. It's a much warmer environment than <laughs> Avienda got. <laughs> But, like, she gives him the most come-fuck-me eyes, like, ever before the line about uh, taking off her dress by herself. To mm. help me with my buttons. Eyes just, like, dilating rapidly. And then they fuck a whole bunch. And yep. it's probably better than it was for Avi because now Rand has practice with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Just saying, he's gotten a lot of practice since the last time he acquired a new girlfriend. And it's he gets to, to to be the first lover of all three of his women, which is mm-hmm. another thing I would like to headcanon out of existence. But the princess being deflowered by the dragon is certainly appropriate. So, cut even to men, black. Even men? Are we sure about that? Yeah, she says, do you think I would do with you what I've never done with any other man? Uh, Something no. like that. I think that was Fael, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, I... That's a line I, I would bail fire. Yeah, like, that's no, another line. Min yeah. has been around taverns for a while, and she's yeah. tried everything that she's wanted to try. Yeah. Let's add that to the heap of things Jordan put in there just to get past the censors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. put that on that pile. <laughs> that yeah. seems appropriate. So this this is the least cut to black sex scene of the whole series, honestly. It's like cut to black, psych, it's gonna be the entire conversation <laughs> right. for the next POV, but not with the people actually doing the act, only right. with other people. Because everybody in their fucking mother is experiencing the sex. Oh god, it's so much. It's right? so voyeuristic, but like, shall in we the start the way. list? Oh, let's go. Alright. <laughs> so Rand and Elaine, right? Connected to Elaine, you've got Brigida. Connected through the Warder Bond, you have Min and Avienda, right? Matt and Perrin, if they think about Rand, get to see it. Anytime in the next 10 hours, Anytime in the seems next 10 likely. Hours, <laughs> seems like they might see something. Uh, certainly there's, there's quotes later to be like, why is Rand naked with that girl? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, okay. That's with Min, um, but yeah, totally. Min, yep. 
Um, Moradin is experiencing what Rand is feeling in his body. Alana. Alana. His, his first, first bond. Yeah. <laughs> his first Aes Sedai. His first Aes bond. Has yeah. a warder. Right. Who is also then probably experiencing some of the feelings. Yeah. That his, uh, At least Aes experiencing Aes Alana's reaction to those right. feelings. <laughs> and if you really want to stretch it, Moradin uh, has the Kasuvra of Mogedian and Sindane. So if he's feeling particularly a certain way, he might induce emotions in them. They may pay for it. Yeah, it wouldn't be a direct sexy feeling, but they right. may get some emotional dysregulation signals <laughs> from Moradin fumbling uh-huh. the Corsuvra and maybe crushing them. So that takes us to nine and two halves, which adds up to ten. That's a lot of people for what is mm-hmm. supposed to be a private moment. I mean, technically, <laughs> Rand and Elaine are two of those, so t- take it down to eight, but it's too many. Like, unless everyone consented to it and you're on a stage... Why are there this many people? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I mean, LTT. He's thumbing his ear and humming. I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) He definitely likes likes, uh, Rand's taste in women. Yes. Gee, I wonder why Rand and LTT have the same taste in women. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, there's a lot of people, fictional or not. I mean, I guess they're all fictional, technically, so ha. Not Brigitte. Brigitte is a real person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, plot-wise, Avienda and men come out of the doors. They get into a little snit with the guardswomen, and it's more of the, oh, wow, men and and Avienda are basically the same person. Ha, ha, ha. That's funny. Right. And they walk off. Min has this funny thought where she wants the guards to stay out of Elaine's uh, hair, but also she hopes that they'll keep her out of trouble and just like, man, you're trying to have it both ways. No, <laughs> no, no. Ugh. Anyway, the important thing that I noticed here is that Avienda puts on her bracelet. Mm-hmm. Which means she's officially courting Rand again. She is on an even footing with Elaine again. I think oh, is what that was about. Okay. Okay. So even if Elaine doesn't have a similar bracelet, at least now they're both getting to fuck him and getting to acknowledge their love. Got it. Yep. That's right. Okay. So that goes back. Wow. Deep cut. Because that goes back (sighs) to when she promised Elaine she would watch over Rand and make sure nobody fucked him. And then she fucked him. So she had toe. And that was. And now that they've resolved that whole problem, she can wear the bracelet that gives her even footing because Rand gave. Elaine something? No, I mean, he's going to give her a flower, but I don't think that that's why Avi does this. I think it's just that her and Elaine have now had an equal amount of sex. I would argue that maybe Elaine's going to have slightly more than Avi did, but whatever. Um, One night, we'll say. Yes, but that that means that she can wear the bracelet again because she's back on even terms. She's in a relationship with Rand. Yeah, it doesn't mark her betrayal of Elaine anymore. Right. It used to right. mark her betrayal. I mean, she had nightmares where that was like the manacle holding her down as she ran away right. from Rand. Like, it's no longer a sign of shame. Now it can again be just a, a token of the fact that she's really into that guy. I also think it had to do with the dreams and prophecies that she had when she became uh, a, a wise one apprentice. Oh, right? her, th- she, her three ring her three future ring. visions. Right. So I think in some of those, it was an indication that once she got the bracelet, she was inevitably going to be in love with Rand. Right. So I think there's oh. maybe that was like a sign to her that she was, you know, going to be in a relationship with him. 
Yeah, because you're right. When he first gives it to her, she puts it on like it's made, like it's a poisonous snake or something. Mm-hmm. And I never quite understood that. But you're right. I bet that it totally was a icon in her future visions. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really important token of her relationship to Rand. And like you said, you know, Rand's been going around thinking that they don't have a relationship. Avi's been carrying this bracelet with her, but not feeling like she can wear it. Like their relationship was on a very different footing than it is now and so her going to put the bracelet on says yes i know where rand and i stand and obviously then she has her whole wise one apprentice identity crisis later but for now uh she's feeling much more secure in the use of that bracelet as a token uh and then another one of these weird lines about about poly stuff that rj is just like what's happening with if min is thinking that with elaine it isn't it almost isn't like sharing rand at all I'm just like, even if I, like, I can't imagine being like, well, I'm not sharing someone. Like, if you were in a relationship with multiple people, I still feel like you would have some personal autonomy. Just because we're friends doesn't mean we're the same person. Like, I don't know, this relationship identity melding stuff that, that they seem to be thinking just doesn't, we're such good friends. It's like, we don't even have possessions or relationships of our own. We're just the same person. What? What? Uh, yeah emotional communism what (laughs) those internal thoughts aren't always the best with again we've talked about jordan's failings that seems to be i mean maybe someone thinks like that maybe that's a perfectly someone is feeling seen by that phrase and that it describes their experience but i'm not resonating with it in the slightest I think it's like how do you get to the point where you're like you, you realize you're not jealous and how do you articulate that to be like i'm really just not jealous of this person you know like i feel like i'm okay with sharing you know and i think that that's what she's trying to convey yeah and like i do get that because jealousy is to me an emotion that's very confusing so i get him fumbling around describing a non-jealous attachment right but like that's where that's as far as i can follow the way he actually describes it like i don't think that that's the only way to experience (laughs) non-jealousy kind of like how he like inverts a power structure and calls it a matriarchy you know even though it's like no you just made a patriarchy where there's queens more often like you didn't actually change the structure of society you just made it more common for there to be queens and like it's a female empowered world and it's not really but like that's what he was trying to do and so mm-hmm. he's, like, he's trying to write what not jealousy looks like but it's like you just wrote the opposite of jealousy not actually the absence of jealousy i don't know sure it's sure I don't understand jealousy, so again, like romance, I'm really fumbling with what bothers me about this. I don't have the right language. I, I think it's interesting that she thinks of herself more in a competition than in a jealousy, right? Like, I wonder if I could create that same effect, right? And that's sort of, she has that thought, and she realizes that's that's a very weird thought to have. It, you know, it, there's a certain preconception about, I think, what people should be thinking when you're in these kind of relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And she thinks also about like, well, which one's he really going to marry? Like we say we're all going to share, but like ultimately he's going to pick one. And like, yeah, it's, it's weird. I do like that each of the three women does have their own approach to how they negotiate the emotional weirdness of this. They aren't all carbon copies of each other when it comes mm-hmm. to how they think about what sharing should be and how they feel about it. Like each one has her own very culturally informed hurdles to overcome. Yeah, good diverse writing, If you even if you don't agree with every single one of those perspectives, like he is writing different perspectives. 
Yeah, and I appreciate that. It gives me more angles to find wrong things at. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we get the trick with the handkerchief where you're supposed to tie off the emotions in the bundle. That does seem to be linked to the ability to channel, to tie that off. And we've seen, as we've seen with these bonds, there is, right, if you bond a man who can channel, you can't control him. There's aspects to the bond where someone who can channel can do something with it, and someone who can't channel cannot. I had linked it more to the sweating, non-sweating, the, swe- the not sweating trick. That was mm. how I thought of this, is that the mental control that a channeler has that allows them to ignore temperature is the same thing that allows them to bundle up the the emotions. That was the mechanism I was blaming, but you might be right. And, and I've argued many times that, like, the ability to bundle up that weather sense and ignore it is actually linked to the ability to channel, not just... I mean, they say anyone can learn it, but, like, the only people we ever see doing it are channelers, so... Exactly, and here we have Min and Brigitte both try the handkerchief trick right. and fail, while Avienda has no problem with it. So right. it, it feels like they're related in that way. And it doesn't seem like a difficult thing to learn, right? If she does, no. like, first try, as soon as you say it, yeah, I bundle up those emotions. Yeah, it seems like it'd be as easy as learning how to, right. like, cross your eyes or walk on a balance beam. Like, it right. would just take a second, and then you'd figure it out. So Min is stuck with full, full like, four 4K HD uh, mm-hmm. input from uh, Rand. Elaine. I mean, mostly just Rand. Because I guess she doesn't really actually have a bond with Elaine. She's only got the bond with Rand. Well, that's that's a good question, because um, they did that sister bond sort of beforehand, where they linked the three of them together and then bonded Rand as one. Are they linked? Can they feel each other? It seemed, You're right. It seems like they can't. It seems like they only they feel Rand. They described as feeling each yeah. other. I think they should have, though. Yeah. I think that was a mechanical miss on Jordan's part. I think there should have been some watering between them but maybe not i guess that's not how it works with greens and their multiple borders but there's only one channeler in that scenario but we know elaine and avienda are linked through the first sister ceremony so they do feel what the other one feels right it's just not min who's included which by the way is another link we didn't really include in our who gets to feel what but like don't forget that avienda gets to feel what elaine is feeling and vice versa so they're, <laughs> they're both being turned on by rand and then ter- being turned on by the other person being turned on that is very much the definition of a circle jerk yeah <laughs> oh that's funny getting multiple bonds input for the same scenario from different people's perspectives it's so <laughs> messy everyone's inside each other's heads uh so they start talking to try to block Min starts talking to try to block out all the sensations that she's happening. And we get the line, two of them, a boy and a girl, both healthy and strong, that gives us and Elaine so much consternation for the rest oh, of the entire series. God. Literally. This, yep. This is the line that Elaine says, Oh, I guess I'm safe from now on. But they don't remember the genders, and so she spends the whole time worrying about, oh, well, what if it's two girls? That would be the absolute worst. And, like, right here, it's a boy and a girl. It's exactly Mm. what you want. She's wishing for a boy and a girl, and we know that, but they get too drunk to remember anything except that they'll be healthy. Got it. It's so frustrating. (laughs) And Mintz foresees this before they even... Yeah, the the DNA has not yet been written on that conception, and she's already predicted exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. So the GOP now says conception begins at prophecy. (laughs) 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 
life begins at prophecy. Is that what we're talking about? When, yeah. when did the, when did the life of those two kids begin? Well, before they were even conceived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that point, if Rand and Elaine, you know, were to be interrupted, it would basically be an act of manslaughter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you can't. You physically, I, there's nothing that could interrupt them. They literally have the 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 strength of prophecy on their side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That that is how pregnancy works. Yeah. The first is a prophecy and then you have healthcare. That's right. That's right. how it works. Uh, <laughs> first you have prophecy and then you have to pay bills for sixty five years. Ew. You yeah, right, right. <laughs> Gross. Uh and also this is another one of those rare mentions of the fact that Randland casually has perfectly effective and available birth control. Right. Heart leaf tea. The miracle mm-hmm. fantasy magic that allows for no unintended pregnancies ever. Simple, easy to get, cheap. Not being over-harvested to the point of extinction, not being controlled by a fascist state, not being poorly prepared by people who have lost their traditional knowledge around herbalism. None of that. It's just on all the pharmacy shelves. It's fine. And then we get the other prophecy that drives me up a freaking wall. Mm. Avienda would have Rand's babies, too. Four of them at once. Something was odd about that, though. The babies would be healthy, but something's still odd. It's so weird. And the Sanderson explanation that we get in Avienda's... Future vision? Future vision, which is absolutely not canon for what's going to happen, right? Like, right, right that is alterable is that the four children that she has will, well, first of all, that she's going to birth four children at once. Right. And secondly, that they are actually going to be this like channel. Perma channel. Perma. Yeah. Like always able to embrace the one power forever and ever. And I don't like that, you know, so I always had Canon that that is a changeable future and that I think, and this is again, just headcanon is that what Avian is actually going to do is she's going to have two children and Elaine's going to have two children and Avienda will be the mother in the birthing first sister ceremony. And so there'll be four of them all at once in the birthing ceremony, but not actual birth. That'll just be the, the first sister ceremony. Hmm. And Avienda will be what Amise was, right? The mother to the people who are bonded. That makes sense. So then she is their mother. In literally every way, except exactly. from a biological flesh and blood of my womb kind of way. Right, right. Oh, I like that. And that's how it's all at once, because it's this first sister bonding ceremony, so you can have more than just two people. Yeah, that... Because the human body doesn't do more than twins, naturally. Well, it does. I just looked it up on, on the internet that uh, natural quadruplets happen in just one in 700,000 pregnancies. Right. So, I mean, I guess so, you can throw Tavirin at it and say, yes, Rand had twins and they both had, you know, fraternal twins and they both had identical twins at the same time. And that's how you get four. Right? No, but like, it's, even if you were to have that as a pregnancy, the medical technology of them giving birth would suggest that Avi probably wouldn't survive that. Right. Right. Or so, the babies. Yeah. yeah. So I vastly prefer your magic in world sound reasoning that gives us that something odd but it's still a profound mother thing like i like that so so much better the something odd is it's not a natural birth it's a birthing ceremony of the one power 
Right. And it's intimately tied to her own biological motherhood because she does have her own babies and it's all a big, happy clan of dragon Tavirin. Cause I like that. And you can see how a bunch of half siblings who, um, were born to different mothers maybe wanted to reaffirm their connection and right. Like. Right, and they probably get raised together for a good portion of their childhoods. I mean, these are very much going to be a swarm of children that multiple parents are taking care of, right? Takes a village to take care of all of Rand's babies. Right. Uh, especially with Rand not being around, fucker. Uh, so, yeah. He could be. Again, Avienda's vision could change. Yeah, he does have a whole fresh body that isn't missing parts and pieces at the end. So, Min reminds Avienda about the kerchief trick and avienda uses it and it works Mm -hmm. yeah which then makes her feel kindly towards men for the first time because that was really uncomfortable (laughs) and this is the line where min says she was just joking about the toes she knows what uh toe is she was just making a pun yeah kind of makes me like her all that much more i love men she's so funny and then she says, uh, maybe I have toe, but we'll have to find some other way than you carving or hitting on me. I could always groom your horse if we have time, which I'm just like, on the one hand, she knows what G-I-T-O is. On the other hand, she assumes that an Aiel has a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. Like you groom your horse. And I was like, I don't, I don't have a horse. No, yeah, I if I had a horse, I'm, I would immediately get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I completely missed oh, that. I love men so much. <laughs> She's so worldly and so ignorant. That's so good. No, and I love how she compares her knife skills to Avienda's when it's, I'm sure, Avienda could take the knives away from her in a heartbeat. Oh my god. All she knows how to do is a couple of show tricks that Tom taught her. Like, she hasn't spent a lifetime stabbing people to death with them. No. (laughs) Uh, But she's very proud of her skills, and Avienda lets her keep that dignity. It's very cute. Very nice of Avienda. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and then Brigida comes rolling up. Right. So auras danced around her and images flickered more than Min had ever seen around anyone. Thousands, it seemed, cascading over one another. So obviously those are lifetimes of images because most people don't even have you know one image. But these are all uh, important events in the pattern that Min is seeing. Everyone probably represents the nugget of a story that then goes into the cycle that someone like Tom is telling. I will say Encyclopedia pointed something out that Min didn't see these visions around Brigida when they were together in Saladar. Well, they were together for at least a week. Oh, shit, you're right. That conversation never came up. The beginning of Lord of Chaos and the Fires of Heaven. Huh. I wonder why that never got mentioned. My only explanation, and this is reaching, is that, you know how her memories are fading? Mm. Well, maybe when they were memories, they weren't visions. And now that the memories are going away, they've become the visions around her. We're seeing a visual representation of fading to myth. Yeah, basically all all the things that she's lost in memory have become the, the symbols and the, the prophecies and the foretellings. But we're also in past lives, right? Those are all the significant events in her life. You know, that's a reach, but it's so poetically beautiful. I'm going to take it. Yeah, that's my, and then that's why there weren't any before, because she hadn't lost all those memories yet. Yeah. That, that pleases my aesthetic sense, so I'm taking it. Rather than just a, a plot hole that Jordan overlooked, because... Now, why have a plot hole when you can have yeah. a beautiful explanation like that? <laughs> 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 so, so Brigitte goes on a rant because she's, you know, being stimulated in ways she did not consent to. And she says, I'll kick her tickle heart around the bloody palace. 
I failed anatomy slash never took anatomy. What the fuck part of the body is a tickle heart? She doesn't mean pussy, does she? That's not what she's talking about. Is it? Um, but, but, you know, like, you know, the symbol, the, the Valentine's Day heart is basically a woman's ass. Sure. Peaches and hearts and asses are all similarly shaped. Right. So, you know, her tickle heart. Um, yeah, no, I think that's her tickle heart. Mm, That's her her butt. Her butt. Yep. (laughs) I mean, I cannot right now. Right. I mean, how many times have people said I'll kick her ass around the bloody palace? Right. That's all she's saying. I'll kick her ass. That makes She's the literally most saying sense. I'll kick her ass. Okay, I'm putting the term tickle heart into Google and nothing is coming up. No, this is entirely in world. This is, this is being not weird. a weird southern phrase no. that I should know. Like No. I This is just this is just reading from context and understanding what a tickle heart could be. I disapprove so strongly. The way that Kate reads this line is so fast in the audiobooks that I've never really slowed down and and looked at what this word was. But like, tickle heart? Never call someone's ass a tickle heart. Just call it an ass. (laughs) God. It got got past the censors. I think we're doing a lot of that in this chapter. Oof. The chapter that got past the censors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. All right. I, but yeah, I'll kick her ass. That that's, makes the most sense. That's the way most that vulgar. Then I'll kick her in the cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Which was kind of how I was reading it. <laughs> the next funny thing is, is uh, she says, Brigitte says of Elaine, when she behaves like an adult, I'll treat her as one. Like she's, this, this is an adult activity that she's doing. Right, well, by by yes. definition, that is what... Uh, okay. What, what would help. One would help, yes. <laughs> uh, and then we get a very interesting line. Two months. Yeah, what the fuck? I have a theory, but... Please tell me, because I, I highlight that and I was like, I don't know what she's referring to. I don't know what's happening. Okay, so abruptly, Brigitte Gay's glazed blue eyes bulged. The golden-haired woman's mouth dropped open, and she would have fallen if Min and Avienda had not each seized an arm. Squeezing her eyes shut, she sobbed just once and whimpered, two months. Shaking free of them, she straightened and fixed Avienda with blue eyes clear as water and hard as ice. Yeah, so my only theory is that it's been two months since she last had sex with God O'Kane in the dream. But I have such a hard time believing that it's been only two months since she was yeah, ripped out of Solar on Rod. And we never get mention of her having any kind of romantic trysts at all. But that that's the only thing I can think is that it's two months since she last had an orgasm. That's the only thing I can think. And it, it just doesn't fit the timeline. It doesn't fit her character. I mean, I'm sure Brigitte knows how to masturbate. Like, I I. Someone please make this make sense. And then the next line, shield her for me and I'll let you off your share. Your share of what? Of beating her. Yeah, she's she's, in the prior page. She's like threatening. I'm going to beat you because you helped her into this. I will beat you both up. And then she says, you know what? If you help me beat her up, I won't beat you up myself. Um, Got you. But yeah, I don't understand the two months comment. 
yeah, I don't like what has been two months because it's been more mm. than two months since she got ripped out of of Teleron Riyadh. It's been less than two months since they got to the to Andor and Camelin. What happened two months ago that would have any bearing at all on her experience of Elaine having her first orgasm? Or at least her first orgasm from, you know, penetrative sex with Rand. Like, what? I do, I do, I'm going to delete this line if we can't make it make sense. I'm just going to add it to the burn pile. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's an emphasis on the word two, like as opposed to one month or six months or... I can understand being upset at being forced to experience someone else's like earth shattering orgasm. That would definitely be upsetting. But what does two months have to do with it? It took two months for her to come through that. What? Mm. Well, don't forget a lot has happened in two months, right? We're talking back in like Lord of Chaos times. Yeah. So what happened to Brigida in particular two months ago? Yeah. <laughs> Chat. She's been edging for two months and Elaine is ruining it. <laughs> Honestly, that makes more sense than anything else. <laughs> uh, Lane, you ruined my streak. Yep, I got, I got nothing. I really, I've got nothing here. All right. Well, I think we can all collectively agree to just burn that line out. Wait, did she take a drink right before that? No, they go off to drink at the end of this conversation. They go off to get drunk as a drowned mouse. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing I'm thinking is maybe two months, did she stop drinking to be palace guard? And she's breaking that. She's like two months of being sober. Lil Jin brought that up. I know that she talks about cutting back on alcohol when Elena's pregnant later. And there's some implications that she's struggling with alcoholism at that point. But I don't recall any mention of her changing her drinking habits at this point. Like, she's not, she hasn't been yelled at by anyone for being a drunk. She hasn't, like, had any conversations about drug use at all that I can think of. Maybe she's just mourning the fact that she's been two months without a hangover. And she's going to have to get a hangover to deal with what's right. happening now. <laughs> I mean, as a person who gives themselves hangovers kind of a lot, like, maybe that's it. <laughs> but, I don't know. Just reading a little timeline stuff to see if I can find anything. Yeah, what were th- what was happening two months ago? Yeah, it's hard to exactly pinpoint how long ago that was. Was that when Elaine did the Red Rod thing? Was that two months ago? It's been two months since Brigitte has been forced to experience Elaine's sexual side? Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. If anyone ever has an explanation, please let us know. Because <laughs> it's just weird. We'll try and revisit it. Okay, so we have Min rapidly discovering that meeting your heroes sucks sometimes <laughs> it's like you're a Brigitte Silverbow and a paragraph later she's like this is Brigitte Silverbow oh my god <laughs> it's so funny uh, but yeah the, and I think here you really do have this thing where Brigitte says Silverbow's dead I'm Brigitte Trehelion right I and she's really saying that before she's always been like no I'm not Brigitte what are you talking about I don't know. you know but now she's like no I really I don't have any of my memories like I'm really just the person you see before you I don't have any special abilities I'm just a person who's been thrown into this and what you see is what you get mm-hmm. yeah she's like I now know what it says on the tin and it's not silver bow. Yeah. right which it totally still is Silverbow. Like, she does so many amazing things. But whatever. That's the story she tells herself. Because who she is never changed. She never had her memories before. No. She never yeah. tried to do heroic shit. She just did what she had to do. That's always who right. she's been. But right. it is nice to represent the fact that she 
has made a certain amount of peace with where she's at and the world she's living in. She knows who she is and what her path through life is going to be. So she has an identity. And Silverbow is who she lost, right? She's like, Silverbow is dead. That's not who I get to be right. anymore. That's true. And then Min is so irritated that she just blurts out about the fact that they bonded a warder. And Elaine's just celebrating a little bit. Min likes to use C words as euphemisms for sex. Celebrating? What are the other Comforting. ones? Comforting. Ah. <laughs> comforting mm. and celebrating mm. now so we'll see what third term she comes up with to describe avi getting rid of celibacy <laughs> yeah and then brigida has a pretty realistic reaction to the news that it's rand um mother's milk in a cup she could have fallen in love with anyone but she had to choose him which weird that brigida didn't know that already i thought that like they had all those late night conversations no, that was with Avi. Elaine doesn't, like, tell secrets in the dark to Brigida, apparently. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> and I love what she says here. The man's too pretty to be good for any woman. <laughs> of course, Brigida would say that. She likes muggly. Oh, uh, yeah. She likes, what is it? Uh, ugly beer as much as ugly men. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. So, Brigida's, like, wants to charge in and stop things. So she's like, this is getting out of hand. She has no right to do this in my head. Like, I can't stop it. Like, I don't want this. Right. Which, in fairness, Elaine does have no right to be forcing that on other people. Like, the water bond thing is something she should maybe be a little more conversant at before she does such intensive activities. But Brigida needs to be stopped. And Avienda says, I will pledge myself to obey you as apprentice to mistress. And Brigida never takes her up on that, as far as I can recall. No, definitely She just not. gets distracted by Usquai and never actually holds Avienda to that. And I'm like, Brigida, how did you leave that lying on the table? You were just offered, like, the ultimate trump card on dealing with Elaine, and you just walked right by it for the Usquai. She's distracted. <laughs> Usquai! Yeah, and then the Usquai, they don't remember shit about this night, because when you go drinking, sometimes you forget some of the stuff that happens right before you go drinking. Kila makes their clothes fall off. <laughs> <laughs> It's not tequila. Yeah, it's and this is, whis- this is whiskey, yeah. But whiskey is also notorious for getting people into trouble. Uh-huh. Um, and there's also this line here. I intend to get drunk enough to take off my clothes and dance on the table. And as best we can figure, that's what Elaine did with the red rod, right? And not a hair drunker. Well, it wasn't that a cup of wine? No, a cup of wine was when she almost got date raped by a... Oh, that's right. By right, right, right. The, wa- the waiter. Yeah. And Avia wasn't there for that anyway. But yeah, Avianda says that that's a wonderful joke to what uh, is being said. And so, like, that's in my mind, that has to be that Elaine basically went full stripper performance with the Red Rod. Right, right. Because that's the only indication that we get that any, because no one will tell her anything about what happened. And that was books ago. Mm -hmm. And now this is like a reference that Avienda and Brigitte get, but men do not. And it's pr- therefore it's probably making fun of Elaine, and the only thing that we know it could be a reference to is the one time that she did something silly with the red rod, and no one told her about it. So the dots line up to say that this is what Elaine did when she touched the red rod, and the fact that the red rod is basically a dildo is you know kind of a fait accompli on the whole theory, right? Like yeah, for yeah. sure, and yeah. it's. 
it's just so specific and it ties it all up so well. And like, that's something that would be funny enough and not too serious. So that way you could just never tell Elaine what happened, right? All she did right. was take off her clothes and dance in front of a bunch of women. It's not like mm-hmm. she got hurt or set anything on fire. Like, you don't have to tell her. That can just be a joke. It's not serious. You know, it's not like she assaulted someone. Like, she just or took off her clothes and danced right. on the table. <laughs> it's just embarrassing and funny. Mm-hmm. And there's no Instagram, so there's no proof. Right. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. POV switch? Yeah. So. It's basically the read. It's a long ass thing. Out. Quick POV switch back to Elaine to. Um... Do you want to read the whole thing? Uh, then we can talk about it, or is it too long? I I can. Um, it's not a whole lot to talk about it in it, um, but yeah, I can. I can read it. When Elaine woke the next morning, the bedchamber was icy. A light snow was falling on Camelin, and Rand was gone, except inside her head and her uterus. That would do. That- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but he is technically inside her uterus at this point. Oh my God. <laughs> she is pregnant, oh. or she will be pregnant in the next 36 hours. <laughs> That's how biology works. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just a little bit left behind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, chat. I'm not sorry. Um, that would do. She smiled. A slow smile. For now, it would. Stretching languorously beneath the sheets, she remembered her abandon the night before, and most of the day as well. She could hardly believe it had been her, and thought that she should be blushing like the sun. But she wanted to be abandoned with Rand, 
and she did not think she would ever blush again, not for anything connected to him. Best of all, he had left her a present. On the pillow beside her when she woke lay a golden lily in full bloom, the dew fresh on the lush petals. Where he could have gotten such a thing in the middle of winter she could not begin to imagine. But she wove a keeping around it, and set it on a side table where she could see it every morning when she woke. The weave was Mogedian's teaching, but it would hold the blossom fresh forever, the dewdrops never evaporating, a constant reminder of the man who had given her his heart. Her morning was taken up with the news that Olivia had vanished during the night, a serious matter that put the kin in a tumult. It was not until Zaida appeared in a taking because Nynaeve had not come for a lesson with the Atha on Mier that Elaine learned that Nynaeve and Lan were both gone from the palace too, and no one knew when or how. Not until much later did she learn that the collection of Angrial and Turangrial they had carried out of Ebudar was missing the most powerful of the three Angrial and several other items besides. Some of those, she was sure, were intended for a woman who expected to be attacked at any moment with the one power, which made the hastily scribbled note Nynaeve had left hidden among the remainder all the more disturbing. All right, so definitely a couple of things to talk about there. Obviously, we, we mentioned that the lily is her house sigil. Yes. And how it's related to the feathers that he wanted to make into a flower before. Yes. Also, we got to bring in a little bit of Dan Brown conspiracy theory. I mean, Fleur de Lis, it's something to do with Mary Magdalene. There's, there's, a, there's a Jesus thing here. Jesus something, something, magic, Illuminati. Conspiracy I mean, I the proven. The Fleur de Lis connection with Camelin and England is, you know, that's just on the nose. Yeah, no, for sure. The Fleur de Lis iconography throughout the royal houses of mythic Europe is right. <laughs> it's a thing. Next thing, next item. Yeah, the weave was Mogedian's teaching, but it would hold the blossom fresh forever. I mean, on one level, that is a little creepy, right? It's sort of a preservative weave that's... Magic for Malbad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put it in a jar of magic ether, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's like I learned to use formaldehyde from, you know, Dr. Frankenstein, right? Like, he did horrible things with it. But it turns out it's useful for, for preserving roses, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not a horrible thing to do with it. And there's an interesting commentary on how a lot of their knowledge did come from Mogedian and learning from Forsaken, and that's what gave them a leg up in a lot of cases. And they, they use it despite the source. And so does Rand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, seriously, going against the natural order of things, not even the dew can evaporate. Mm -hmm. Where do you think he got it from? Do you think he tore up a pillow and grabbed a handful of feathers? Or... <laughs> <laughs> I think at this point he doesn't need feathers anymore. I think he's... He just... <laughs> I really want to imagine him just, like, finding a spare pillow and, like, right. grabbing right. a handful <laughs> of just, <feathers>. <laughs> just, like, reaching into it, like, ripping it open, reaching in, and, like, using magic. <laughs> exactly, like, no one will ever yeah. notice. It's fine. <laughs> fluffing it back up and putting it back down mm -hmm. and be like, yeah, it's fine. And there's an obvious, like, dent in the pillow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, you're probably right. He probably d doesn't need anything but, you know, the power of his mind or whatever. He Maybe he took an old sock and was just like, this doesn't have a match anyway. It's fine. <gasps> That's a new doggo. This is our neighbor's puppy. Um, we have, we've been house-sitting for about a month. Aww. So they, they went on an extended trip and he is a huge snuggle bug, and he and Timber have been getting along great and wrestling. And they've, they, they've always had a chance to play together because they're neighbors. So the dog's like Dorian. This is Dorian. Dorian. As in Dorian Gray. Aww. So he's got a portrait hanging up somewhere that's aging and old. Um, oh, that's But amazing. he's a sweetie. 
And he is a cuddle bug. He loves being held. He loves being petted. Um, it, he does this thing where if you squeeze him really hard, he groans in pleasure. Aww. <laughs> He's just like, yeah. For our uh, audio-only audience, this is a tannish, short-haired dog with bat ears and a vaguely chihuahua-like face that looks a bit smaller than timber yeah he's probably about half timber size yeah but what kind of breed is he um he's got some kind of mutt yeah 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 i think a boston terrier combined with chihuahua basically is 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 gonna get you there so maybe a little bit yeah (laughs) yeah but he's got these like big bat ears from and like but he's got like more of a pug type face he's got a really bat like face overall his little teeth look at his little teeth Oh yeah, His little lower teeth are sticking out. Oh my god, he looks so happy and comfortable. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he'll settle into your lap and just lean into you until you're done petting him. Oh. He's a, a touch me a hundred percent of the time, baby. What a good boy. Uh, yeah, Timber. Timber is in his old age has definitely gotten to the point where he's like, okay, pet me. Okay, I'm good. I'm gonna go lay down over there, leave me alone. <laughs> right? Like he likes snuggles too at night, and he still cuddles at night, but. Um, he doesn't need the constant touch that this one does. Hmm. And they're friends regularly, so house sitting isn't like a super stressor right. on the timber situation. And, and literally, we're like across the hallway from each other. So if we both open our doors, the the apartments are like three feet apart from each other. So the dogs just run in, in between the two households. Because <laughs> whenever we're like coming home from work, sometimes the doors will just stay open for like an hour sure, or so. So the yeah. dogs can like... Because, like, we're, we all know it's good for dogs to have friends, and it wears them out a little bit, and they get to play and stuff like that. Socialize with one of their own. <laughs> yeah, and, we, and it's always nice to play with somebody else's dog, too. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, that's lovely. So, he's a sweetie. Um, well, let's talk about the last paragraph of this chapter. Because yes. I think there's... there's I'm going to say foreshadowing, but basically this is the gathering of the party that is going to cleanse the source and protect Rand while he's doing it. Yes. Rand and, Rand and Nynaeve, while they are doing it. Yeah, Rand is gathering the forces he needs to execute this mission, and this was a big sweep. He got Nynaeve and a bunch of toys and a bunch of channelers, a bunch of allies. He didn't even necessarily know that he was going to pick up, right? He was just here for a couple of items. He just wanted Nynaeve, basically, and he came away with a small army. Because I'm pretty sure Cotswain goes with them at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know quite how she gets brought into the loop or when she forces her way into the party, but yeah, it does. It has to be at the same point in time. It, it has to be, yeah. Because um, she's with them immediately the next time we catch up with I mean, the party. Yeah, the next time we see them, right? They're heading to the uh, farm adding, and she's like with them, and she stays outside, and they go in and get him when things go wrong, right? It's a whole thing. So she's part of the party. Um, the. Angrial, the most powerful Angrial that gets those, a bunch of those that get used. Nynaeve gets the Paris Paralysis Net. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, Terangrial she's talking about. Yeah, I mean, we're talking like the, the we've got a, one or two wells, a couple of birds, the Paralysis Net, the, uh, the bracelet with rings. There's a couple. They're, they're mostly defensive, I think. I think like one of them's like a physical body shield. Yeah, it's it's all very combat tastic for sure. Right, right. Although I'm not sure they've gotten Calendor picked up yet. I'm curious. I'm, I don't know when that. Yeah, Rand has gets. Calendor. He has Calendor. Well, I mean, okay. he's had it since the Sean Chan campaign when. Uh, That's right. What's his face pulled it out and followed after and all that. Um, we we don't see Rand having it here, but I'm 
guessing that he just left it with his and Min's baggage when they went in to get Nynaeve or something. I feel like he hid it somewhere so he can come back for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He does that multiple times that he will bury his stuff and then go in and, and get get it and come out. So he definitely has it at this point. And then you've got that hastily scribbled note from Nynaeve. What do you think that says? Oh, I've always tried to wonder. I, I don't know. Um, probably something like we've gone with Rand to do some things that need doing. Don't worry. <laughs> if yeah, the don't worry. Uh, yeah, part, there's a yeah. don't worry line in there that is incredibly yeah. vague. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Don't worry, nothing will go wrong, I promise. Yeah, if right. you hear a large yeah. bang, don't investigate. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> don't worry nothing, if we don't come home, happening. don't stay up. Yeah. It's like, she's going to worry so hard. And then it's like, no, we're fine. We're just, we're we're going out for a walk. Picks up machete. Um, nothing's going wrong. No problems. Yeah. Put on his bolt for yes. vest. It's like, wait, wait, no, there's no, you can't reassure me that you're not going into any danger when you took that. Right? Yeah. A, a tank is not for a stroll along the garden. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Ny- Nynaeve takes all the good stuff out of the armory and says, I'm going to be fine. Don't worry about it. I'm definitely doing nothing dangerous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be fine. Like, yeah. I don't know if you're going to be fine, Nynaeve. Don't, don't fuck up with the throne while I'm gone. Right. right. Like, oh my god, yeah. Jedi Pants wrote in chat, gone to cleanse source, don't forget to pick up milk, be home shortly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, it's definitely that kind of vibe. <laughs> uh-huh. Just like, that's too casual to not be disconcerting. Very disconcerting. Ah, well, there we go. A lily in winter. Yeah. And we will we pick that lily. next be... Yes, that lily got plucked. <sighs> and next time you hear us, we will be at SpoilerCon. <laughs> SpoilerCon Live. And wonderful we, news. We got... Yeah, this will be a fun chapter because it's very forsaken heavy oh yeah I, and that's part of why we had to do this recording was because we picked that one for spoiler con and we didn't <laughs> want to get out of order like fuck gotta record today anyway but yeah that that will be in in just what four days or something yeah something like that yeah uh, yeah so soon and then if we record the tuesday after that gets us our buffer back yeah i'm definitely not gonna be releasing any new stuff until after spoiler con but uh yeah stay tuned to the feed for more of the deep dives those will be continuing to come out and uh once we once you hear this episode we will be back onto a weekly schedule with a week or two of buffer so that way there shouldn't be any gaps for the foreseeable future so yeah talk to you soon thanks for joining us again for this wonderful chapter Support us on Patreon! a little bit so yeah we took uh, both a break and this is the week before spoiler con literally spoiler con 2022 is three days away at this point for us <laughs> why are we recording <laughs> right now because <laughs> we said we would because we planned poorly <sighs> Past me is a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't think we want to take three weeks off. And with SpoilerCon coming up, we might have to take a week off after that, just depending on how we feel. Um, so, I, you know, it felt like a, a 
rough time to take off five whole weeks. And also, we're workaholics, so that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, well, I hope that all of you out there have been enjoying the Deep Dive episode podcasts that have been coming out in the interim. You, as we're recording this, or as you're hearing this, you should have started to get to hear the unreleased, never-before-released content. So I hope you're enjoying that. And thank you for being forgiving of us taking a break, because I needed it. I think we all do sometimes, and it certainly helped me. I am starting to settle back into my job, so I'm feeling much more comfortable with energy expenditure outside of work, which is nice. Now that I'm, I just hit five months, so. Wow. Time flies when you're grinding through a learning curve. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Jeez. Whew, it is a steep one. It's, I'm still climbing it, there's no doubt, but at least uh, I've got a set of tasks I can do um, that let me be somewhat independent so I don't have to socialize all day because that was taking a lot of me of my social ability. I have had an incredibly social September and we're topping it off with spoiler cons. So <laughs> I'm going to talk to nobody for the entire month of October. <laughs> I have seen so much family. I hosted my first party in my house. Like I will be an absolute hermit for October. Really getting ready for that Halloween spirit. Oh, yeah. And actually, just the other day, I got talked into buying tickets to a show in Eugene on October 14th. And I know I'm going to a Halloween party. So I guess I will be talking to people on two occasions mm -hmm. in October. <laughs> but Oh, man, September has been a whirlwind of people. <laughs> and it's just gonna keep spinning. You're heading towards the eye. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to spoiler con, yeah. but if I look a little deer in the headlights more than usual, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> yeah, no, I've just been cooking a bunch. That's been my real sort of down time activity. Um, but yeah, that and getting ready for spoiler con. We've got, I've got ribbons here, or uh, what are they called? Lanyards. Lanyards, thank you. Um, but yeah, so those of you who are alive can see them. They're pretty cool. They're orange. They say SpoilerCon 2022 in a nice, chunky, almost Comic Sans kind of font, but not really. Uh, it's got a pretty cool little, like, leather rivet thingy bobber at the end. It's pretty neat. I have the um, swag bags that you're all going to get. They're nice cotton, like, little totes that have a big old SpoilerCon 2022 logo on them to hold your con wares because I got that idea from WatCon. I really liked it at WatCon, so I took it on my own for SpoilerCon, and those are neat. I have a couple of silent auction items here with me. So, yeah, it's all coming together. Yep. Last minute, but it is coming together. <laughs> isn't, isn't that our MO, though? Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, we should probably offer formal podcast congratulations to Talir and Ogier Tendencies yes. for going through the formal motions of tying the knot for all to see. Congratulations on your wedding. Yes, we we're very, very happy to. Uh, I was happy to see those pictures and we wish you all the best Definitely. in your Wheel of Time spoilers inspired journey. <laughs> and I look forward to um, giving you a hug at SpoilerCon in person. Because I think you're yeah. going to be there. So, yeah, I can't wait to uh, say it. Actually, what's funny is I'll have been able to say this to you in person before this will come out. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. We will definitely have hugged them and told them congratulations in person long before this episode airs. <laughs> um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. 
Yeah. And uh, other personal news, I am now officially 30, 31, and 32. I have had my delayed COVID delayed birthday party and raged out multiple birthdays, and I am now formally okay with being in my 30s, and it's all good. So that that was important because ah, getting my birthday canceled by the pandemic sucks yeah like to get a decadal turnover canceled by the pandemic was just but i had a great party broke in my house for entertaining and just had an absolutely fabulous time so um, yeah my 40 was during the one of the resurgences so i know how that feels <laughs> i keep going like god i am in my 40s i'm almost 41 good god <laughs> How did that happen? I was hanging out just the other weekend at with some family, and everyone there was dark-haired except for me, and I'm not the youngest person there, and I was looking at all the gray, yeah, and everybody's hair being like, I have roughly that much gray in my hair, but I can't tell because silver and gold mm, are too close together, right. but like... It just kind of occurred to me that I have gray hair. Mm -hmm. It's not that I will one day suddenly have gray hair out of nowhere. It's that I'm accumulating it starting sometime in the past to judge by the people that I'm hanging out with. Nynaeve's dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> when am I going to get my gray hairs? <laughs> well, if I could expect to live to 600, I might be a little more enthused. And if you could uh, expect to be entirely 100% healthy that entire time, where the only sign of age is your gray hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Time Spoilers podcast. Rate us in the Apple Podcast app or support us on Patreon. Is that good enough? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.